Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On the last episode of Journey. Yesterday we did... Uh, the Chola Pass, which was a big day made up of a couple stages of basically uphill climbing non-stop. We just passed a group of people going the other way who said it was so cold last night that even their toothpaste froze. So we're expecting it to be very cold there tonight. From Brevity Studios, I'm Ryan Wolf, and this is Journey. It's with somewhat of a heavy heart that I write this final episode. I found it to be such a great experience, completely reliving this journey and being able to share it with you. Oftentimes, our experiences are quickly relegated somewhere back in our minds, just a distant memory from another time. I'd highly recommend to you to perhaps put pen to paper or finger to key and do the same. Even if it's just for your own or your family's pleasure. And I'd imagine it would be a brilliant exercise for children. Take them on a weekend adventure, then get them to write about it. Head to the Journey Podcast discussion group and share your story with me and the others there. So here we are, episode 9, the final episode of season 1 of Journey. Eleven days ago, I set out from Kathmandu. And now I find myself waking up in one of the highest settlements in the world, Lobachay. And today, all going to plan, I'll achieve a lifelong dream and reach Mount Everest Base Camp. I want to thank you all so much for listening to this story. And I hope you've been able to live vicariously through me for a while. And maybe... I might have inspired you to try it for yourself.
you don't know how good it feels today waking up and feeling rested. I virtually spring out of bed this morning. It's very cold. My water bottle is completely frozen. But at this point, I couldn't care less. I had an upstairs room to myself last night. And for the first time on the trek, I actually used my sleeping bag. To this point, I've been able to make do by just using the duvets provided. They're thick and comfortable, and I've been able to steal one from the unused bed each night. But last night, it was seriously cold. I think around minus 10, and probably not much better inside. So it was down sleeping bag and duvets piled on top. Creaking down the stairs to the lounge, it's still pretty quiet. Our plan today is to trek to Gorak Shep, the highest and final settlement, where we'll be staying for the night. But we'll drop our packs on the way past and go straight on to base camp, then return. I'm chomping at the bit to get started. Any remnants of tiredness and exhaustion are well and truly a distant memory now. Every day, at this time of year, dozens of people arrive at base camp. But I don't want to be there with scores of others. I want to have it all to myself. So it's still very early when we swing on our packs and make our way out of Lobuchet towards the trail. The view is nothing short of incredible. The 7,800 metre peak of Nupse glowers at all who pass beneath. The gatekeeper to this insane valley. Pausing for a moment, I capture video of a stalagmite that's formed under a drain pipe. It's so cold that the ice is slowly freezing its way up towards the pipe. A Sherpa sits peacefully next to it, puffing on his morning smoke. It's completely quiet and still, aside from the trickling of a small stream through the village. With every minute, there is more hustle and bustle, as others begin to action their own plans for the day. With no more time to waste, I cross the stream and walk the short distance to the Everest Trail and turn left in pursuit of Hanky and Nidijan, who are now ahead of me. Right, it's day 11 of our trek, and today's the day we head to Everest Base Camp. It's about 20 past 7, and uh, this is pretty cold, maybe around minus 5 or something like that, enough to chill the willy a bit. Um, so, we're walking straight up a valley now, and it's the Everest Base Camp Highway. There's a fair few people on the track compared to what we've seen on the rest of our 
trek. You can sense a certain level of excitement and uh, anticipation. It's a beautiful day, as you can see. So the plan is, a couple hours, we get to Gorob Shep, drop our packs, then we go on with small packs or no packs to EBC, take that in, come back, and then it's back to up to Kalapatar for sunset, where we'll get the real views of Everest. So, eagerly anticipating what should be a fantastic day. The trail here is relatively easy going. It's a steady uphill incline on a dirt trail through an open, rocky landscape. On our right, a huge moraine, which shields the site of the Kumbu Glacier, which runs from Everest all the way down the valley. And on our left, the slope gently rises until it meets the mountains a short distance away. As we make our way, we discover that a lot of others have had the same plan as us. And soon enough, we run into traffic jams of dozens of trekkers. But they are moving slowly. And fortunately in this area, we can simply skirt round the outside where need be. The atmosphere is genuinely jovial. Today is the culmination of so much time, effort and money for everyone here. And you can sense the feeling of pride emanating out of everyone we see. From England, this one's from Italy. And are you enjoying your trip? Yeah, loving our days. trip. Awesome. Yeah. Where are you going after today? Base camp. Awesome. Oh, well, yeah. enjoy. Thank you. We will. Thank you. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> In one rest spot we pass, this exuberance has spilled over into an impromptu dance party to the flavour of local Nepalese Hindu music. But make no mistake, despite the overt happiness, it is still a real struggle for most we pass. It only takes us a couple hours to reach Gorak Shep, which is a small settlement of maybe a dozen buildings next to a frozen lake at 5,190 metres elevation. Okay, so I've just arrived in Gorup Shep, um, and it's just, you can feel sort of the anticipation, there's just helicopters non-stop, which just adds to the level of excitement. So, now, it's about dropping bags off, quickly getting together what we want to go to base camp, and moving on, because a lot of people stop for tea or coffee, but if you don't, and you just get moving, you can get base camp apparently pretty much all to yourself. So that's the plan. It's, it's another world up here, I tell you. It's another world. It's kind of got almost like a chaotic element to it. There's just everything happening, helicopters moving, people running and... <laughs> This is a lot of people's dreams to be here right now. And you can, you can certainly feel it. First thoughts, Gorup Shep's a lot bigger than what I thought. And everyone talks about it in such a fearful way that it's so scary. 
Right, I think this is my accommodation. Now how do I get into it? Dropping down over the ridge into Gorak Shep, I find my way through the collection of buildings to where I think I need to be. Soon enough, Hanky and Nidijan follow me into the courtyard, where we grab our room keys and dump our bags. We decide to take just a short break here to grab a drink, and during this time, I shoot off to find a very important item. A can of beer. A friend of mine who recently made the trip to base camp, shout out to Jack if he ever listens to this, told me, make sure you take a can of beer or a sup of whiskey to celebrate when you get there. And heeding this advice, I find a little shop selling a range of items. And one of those is a can of a locally produced Everest lager beer, of which I purchase a can. And side note, I still have this, now empty, can to this day. It sits next to my computer in my office after surviving its journey back around the world to New Zealand in my bag. Personally, I love keeping mementos of places I've been or experiences I've had. It's a physical reminder that you went there and you did that. Something I can pick up and feel. Some might say it's cheesy, but I don't care. I like it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now with can in hand, no fridge required. While everyone is eating lunch, we depart. Out at the head of the pack. Crossing the frozen lake covered in sand has a strange desert-like feel. And just in case you don't know the way, an old square sign stands alone on the other side of this frozen desert. Bent and covered in rust, stickers and ribbons, it declares, way to Everest Base Camp. It's now just me, Hanky, and Nidijan. All alone, in this vast area of rock and ice. The trail now works its way along the top of the moraine ridge that borders the Kumbu Glacier, and the going is much more tricky as we hop from large boulder to boulder. Although I'm being careful not to slip and break an ankle, 
I'm moving at some speed now. And then I'm all by myself. Out on my own, as the others now trail a distance behind me. Now that I'm by myself, the end of the valley and this trek's culmination is beginning to loom in front of me. Very soon, there will no longer be anywhere to go but up. I'm now walking completely free of any tiredness or exhaustion, and I'm completely lost in my own thoughts. To me, life is what you make it. If you want it to mean nothing, it can mean nothing. But if you want to make it something, it can be everything. Everyone has their own reasons. They make the trek to the world's highest mountain. A challenge. An adventure. To see Everest. To remember a friend. And I have mine. I came here to make a decision. Whether I wanted to climb the world's highest mountain. Whether I'd be willing to risk my life just to stand there to say I've been there as I make my way on my final steps towards base camp I think about the journey I've been on how difficult it was to get here and how easy it was to nearly throw it all away for some base camp is an anticlimax as if they're expecting some monumental structure ready to celebrate them for their achievement. I pity these people. Those who can't find a deeper meaning in life and the way we live it and the moments it's made up of. Meeting people on their way down throughout this trek, they were quick to make it clear to me how difficult it was to come as if this would fill me with some kind of fear and dread. But my simple answer was that I hoped so. I wanted it to be hard. For me, life should be a constant battle. To constantly be pushing yourself to be better. To achieve more in the time you have. Life shouldn't be easy but it can become that if you let it. I have managed to give meaning to this trek, to reaching Everest beyond my original mission. As I walk those final steps, I find myself thinking about my life and the journey I've been on. And somehow, it feels synonymous to this moment. That the mountain... I've climbed in my 39 years was reaching a point. The birth of my first son only months away. And how this would be a whole new mountain to climb. With its own moments of triumph and struggle. And as I walked, I let my glasses hide the few tears. Not those that are tinged with sadness, but those that are full of joy. 
because I thought about the precious cargo I carried all this way from New Zealand to the highest mountain in the world. Because the truth is, I'd made a promise to my best friend, man's best friend, that I'd bring a piece of him here after he passed. And I was keeping that promise. As I make my way along the final ridge towards the finish, I see just a few other people here, just quiet in their own reflection. And I simply sit on a nearby rock in silence too. It feels so surreal. I can vividly remember where I was in my home when I decided to come here many months ago. And now I've travelled 11,800 kilometres by plane and 100 kilometres by foot. I'm here. There's really only been one moment in my life I could compare this to, in terms of personal awe. And that was the Sistine Chapel. I'd paid for early access And like here, I'd gone ahead in order to be able to experience it alone. And I did. In that amazing place. By myself. I looked up and saw that brilliance. And right now, sitting on this rock, I'm doing the same. Within a few minutes, Hanky and Nidijan silently join me and find their own spots. After we've soaked up the feeling, we look back down the valley where we can see people in the distance, so decide to explore the site before they arrive. I'm not normally a sentimental person. I'm also not someone who shows a lot of outward emotion. I'm not proud of it, but I guess at times I find it difficult to show love and how I feel. My childhood was full of challenges that I guess have made me the way I am today. But in my whole life, there was one friend that stood above the rest when it came to my love and not giving a shit what other people thought. And that was for my dog, Semper. I'd always wanted a German Shepherd. And of course, the day I went to have a look at a six-week-old puppy just to decide, well, that was the day my life completely changed. And for the next 11 years, we were absolutely, completely inseparable. If you knew me, you knew Semper. And I know everyone says this, but he was an incredible dog. His loyalty, intelligence, personality, and frisbee-catching skills were legendary. And so it was that when he very suddenly died of cancer just over a year ago, that it wasn't only my heart that was broken. The amount of people that shared their individual stories with Semper on Facebook was the only bit of light in the darkest time of my life. I didn't know what it was at the time, but his death sent me into a horrible depression, which took me a time to claw my way out of. So yeah, I love my dog, and I'm not ashamed to say it. So when Semper would go out... He would always wear this blue bow tie on his collar. It made him look like a German scientist. When he passed, 
I said that I was going to take this to Mount Everest. And now here, 12,000 kilometers away, I pulled out the Tibetan prayer flag I'd purchased in Namche and clambered up onto the huge rock that marks Everest Base Camp. With Nidijan's help, I secured the long string of colorful flags, then pulled out Semper's blue bow tie, marked with his name and the date, and attached it to the string. In time, it will fade and fall with the coming snow. But it makes me feel good that a little bit of him will always be up here in this special place. This prayer flag is for Ashley for letting me live my dreams for my unborn child. Every one of these is a dream that you should chase and make a reality. And to my boy Sempi, I miss you. course, I'm not the only person who's had this thought. To attach more meaning to this trek. The area is littered with all types of different sentimental memorabilia. A small top from a sports team hangs from flags on the rock. And nearby, I find the laminated picture of a young boy propped against some stones. Marked the dates of his short life, and a special note from whoever carried this cargo all the way here. If you want it to mean nothing, it can mean nothing. But if you want to give it meaning, it can mean everything. <sighs> um, so, yeah, that's it. Everest Base Camp. Um, we managed to sort of get ahead of the crowd and we're some of the first people here for the day, which is good because there's a big line of people coming and it's hard to describe. So what the feeling is when you get here, um, the base camp itself is not really anything special. It's a big rock and, you know, this is just sort of the spot where the climbers every year mount their expeditions to climb Mount Everest. But I suppose... You know, when you do a an adventure like this, there needs to be something that you hang your hat on. That you say, "This is the this is the bit that's the the pinnacle of what you're doing." So you hang your hat on base camp, but it's the whole journey that's that's what you take home and what you remember. Um, yeah, for me personally, I had my own sort of journey and. I um, yeah, wanted to bring something special of a best mate of mine who passed away and I put that on a prayer flag and that had quite a lot of meaning to me. Um, and, you know, you see other things too. We just walked along and saw a picture, obviously a, a young child that had passed away and it had the dates and you know people they find a sort of almost a spiritual 
element to this place, you know, at the top of the world. And I think it's because it's so hard to get here. And because of that, it adds extra meaning, you know, for people. But, you know, it's a special place. I'm standing right now looking out from base camp and straight in front of me is the infamous icefall that you start when you go to climb Everest and it looks so much worse than what I ever could have imagined like something from another planet you have to walk up the I mean not walk up but you have to climb through the icefall and then around the corner up towards Everest um yeah when I first got here it was it's a silent you know there was probably six or seven people here but no one was saying anything everyone was just sitting there and thinking their own thoughts you know now the crowd's starting to come in and but it's interesting how different people reflect some are silent and some are more I don't know noisy I suppose I would say but um yeah I think we've done our time here and now we're going to make our way back down and have a rest for a couple of hours before we go up Kalapatar which is a nearby nearby hill that we can see the prime views of Everest for sunset but yeah bye base camp and bye Everest but will I be back I don't know and it always saddens me a little bit with these things is that you don't know when you will be back or if you ever will. One last look. Was all the pain worth it? Definitely. After about 30 minutes, there is now a steady stream of people making their way along the final ridge towards base camp. And I love that look of excitement in their eyes. Each person tired, but proud. Arriving back in Gorakshep a couple hours later, we have lunch and then relax for a couple hours before we put on our thick down jackets and make our way back across the frozen sandy lake. Only this time, instead of continuing on towards base camp, we take a hard left and begin the long, slow climb up Kalapatar Peak for sunset, which stands at 5,500 metres and apparently puts on a hell of a show. We climb till we're near the top, and Hanky and I find a nice spot to sit and wait with some Irish trekkers. I'd like to add here, what a fantastic trekking partner Hanky was. To this day, I feel somewhat ashamed that I had thought at one point her struggle may have been due to fitness. Knowing now that she was suffering altitude sickness and its debilitating effects, in reality, I discovered that when she recovered, she was supremely fit and able. For what it's worth, sorry Hanky for ever doubting you.
Everest is now clearly in view, and I set up my tripod for the time-lapse I plan to catch of the fiery sunset. As we sit here side by side waiting, our jackets almost completely covering our faces, I look back down the Kumbu Valley and see the distant silhouette of Himalayan peaks against the fading sky and pinch myself. It truly is magical and surreal and all that pain and effort was worth it. The temperature is plummeting as we watch the line of the sunset slowly creep towards Everest. We watch on in awe as an avalanche cascades down the side of Nupse, the sound roaring down the valley. It's so cold, we start to wonder what will come first, frostbite or the sunset. And for some around us, it becomes too much, and they abandon their positions. The lure of a hot drink and a yak dung fire, just too much to resist how they can leave when they're only minutes away from this special moment is beyond me. And then it happens. The line of sun we've been following as it slowly makes its way up the face of Nupse suddenly disappears, leaving the mountain in shadow, and then behind, looming high above, as if suddenly taking centre stage under a spotlight from the heavens. Sagamata, Chomolongma, Peak 15, Mount Everest. I've never seen a more incredible sight. With every extra minute, the glow becomes richer and deeper, until it burns a fiery red, like a jagged burning tooth protruding from below. Nidijan decides it's too cold, and Hanky follows soon after. And within a short time, I'm the only one left. Unable to tear myself away from this moment. Knowing that this might be the last time I ever stand here and see this. But eventually, even I have to abandon my position. God, excuse me. I'm just walking down from Kalapatar, which is sort of like a viewing hill next to Gorup Shep. Um, it just came up there to view the sunset because the views of Mount Everest are stunning. And when the sun set, it leaves only Everest bathed in a brilliant burning red. It's quite something. But now that the sun's set, it is freezing. Um, it says I, minus 10 right now. If I sound a bit muffled, it's because the only part of my face that's visible is my eyes, basically. So I'm trying to get down here so I can get back to the lodge and get a cup of hot chocolate or something. And yeah, my fingers are freezing, so... I'm going to sign off and I mean it's basically it's all downhill from now tomorrow um, really everything that I came to see I've seen and loved 
So this is going to be more or less the end of the podcast, you know, and I hope you've enjoyed this journey with me. Uh, I appreciate you coming along for the ride. You know, and if you're out there and you're thinking about doing the Everest base camp trek, I mean, I'd say for sure do it, but I'd also say do your research, make sure you're very fit and able, know what you're getting yourself into, because it's no joke, but if you do get yourself up here, it will be the adventure of a lifetime, it'll probably be the greatest thing you'll ever do, and so for me, in this trip, that's it, I'm basically signing off, so I feel like for me it's um, it's kind of, in my mind it's felt like a sort of turning point in a way, I mean, me and my fiance are expecting a first child in April, uh, March 31st, and it's time to, I don't want to say grow up, but it's, everything sort of changes now, and in a way I felt like coming here and doing this, it's a sort of, it's a change in me now, like it's time to sort of be a man. I think everyone will come here with for their own reasons and I think that's important you know it's you need to find your own reason to want to come here and attach your own emotion to it and that's how you'll truly you'll truly get something out of it right down to the lodge let's get some hot chocolate something in my stomach and <laughs> climb into bed and try and survive the night because there's no heating there's no insulation or anything it's just you and whatever the temperature is and I expect it's going to get to minus 20 tonight Whew. yeah I can't say I've ever slept in that temperature before so yeah enjoy your nice cosy beds wherever you are I stop and turn one last time, looking back at that pinnacle, thinking deeply, because in reality, this is only half of the journey. There's still another three kilometers to go. When I started this trek, I had one main thought in mind. What would I think when I stood here? and looked up and saw that. Would I know in the pit of my stomach, in my heart of hearts, whether it's worth dying for? Just to stand there, to say, I've been there, 
on the top of the world. And standing here right now, alone, on the side of Kalapatar, as the last glimmer of light disappears over far distant peaks, I can honestly say, I don't know. I really don't know. Journey is a Brevity Studios production. Written, produced and narrated by me, Ryan Wolf. You'll find posts with photos and videos dedicated to this podcast, including the amazing time lapse of Everest, on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ, and on our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. As I mentioned, I not only produced a podcast about this trick, but also a documentary. You'll find this link in the description of this episode. The link is also in my bio on my Instagram page. You can support my guide Nidijan with a follow on his Instagram, where he puts up amazing daily photos of his current treks. You'll find his Instagram and further details about this trek in the description of every episode. You'll be hearing from Nidijan in an upcoming bonus episode when we chat to him once he's got his new phone. And thank you so much for all your support with that. I will also be releasing a bonus episode soon where I'll discuss details of this trek. What gear I think you should take and what you shouldn't. How you should plan it and so on. Also, I'd like to ask you to send me any questions you might have and I'll answer these in a Q&A episode. To do this, simply send me a voice message on Instagram with your question. I'd like to thank you for supporting this new podcast and joining me on this journey. It's a totally different genre for me, and while it's been an incredibly challenging production, I've thoroughly enjoyed the process. Remember, all audio you heard, every moment, was captured live at that exact time, from the crunching of stone underfoot to the trickle of a stream. It's not been perfect but I hope you felt like you were there with me. Right now, I have no specific plans for a season two. It's definitely something I will make, but what that adventure will be, I don't know. Any suggestions? Let me know. For those that aren't aware, Journey is somewhat of a side project for me. My primary podcast is a true crime investigative show called Guilt, where I investigate unsolved crime. You'll find that wherever you get your podcasts. So with that, I guess that's it. I'd like to say a huge thank you, and goodbye until next time.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.